The DSM-4 defines mixed bipolar episodes as being relatively rare. But for those of us in clinical practice, this definition may be too conservative to be of much use. What is a mixed bipolar episode, and how best can we treat these patients? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Robert Post. Dr. Post is Professor of Psychiatry at George Washington University and Penn State College of Medicine, and he heads the Bipolar Collaborative Network. For 37 years, he worked at the NIMH studying and treating treatment-resistant unipolar and bipolar patients. He's won more than a dozen national and international awards for his research. Dr. Post has just published a new book, Treatment of Bipolar Illness, a casebook for clinicians and patients. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Post. Well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Dr. Post, what is a mixed bipolar episode? I, I think that most of our audience maybe never learned about this in their training. Yeah, it's actually fairly common as opposed to what the DSM suggests. And basically, it's one of two different things. It's either an uncomfortable or dysphoric or anxious irritable mania where instead of the classic euphoric presentation where patients are happy and bubbling over, they actually don't like how they feel. They, they're overdriven, and I've seen patients who are clearly manic, delusional, in seclusion rooms, but actually having panic attacks simultaneously with their mania. So it can be quite uncomfortable, and it turns out that... Some two-thirds of women's hypomania is actually uncomfortable and dysphoric, and 40% of men's. Mm -hmm. So it's actually quite common and fairly important because lithium is less effective in those with dysphoric mania. The other component of, of mixed bipolar episodes is that they can also be very rapidly fluctuating between mania and depression, sometimes multiple times within a day, what we call ultra-rapid ultra cycling or ultradian cycling, meaning many switches within a day. And that also is relatively difficult to treat as well. So thinking about maybe a primary care practitioner in the audience listening, how might they be able to pick up these patients in their office? Again, I think the issue is focusing in on patients having increased energy and decreased need for sleep as two great screening questions because even a, an uncomfortable dysphoric manic patient will answer positively to those questions. So it's, it's the energy and feeling, even with marked sleep loss, that, uh, that uh, they're just ready to go, that, that those two components will pick up both the euphoric patients and the dysphoric patients. Yeah, that makes sense, because certainly a unipolar depressed patient might complain of decreased sleep, of course, but they would notice the effects. They'd feel fatigued and sluggish and less productive, right? Exactly, exactly. So it sounds like the DSM-4 definition isn't terribly useful in our practices? Well, it does focus in on this component of the illness, which really tells us that uh, the treatment should be different, that lithium often needs 
assistance by another mood stabilizer or an atypical. And in general, the antidepressants are not excellent drugs for mixed states, so that it's another further reason for avoiding the first use of antidepressant augmentation. And in general now, we're deferring the use of antidepressants to much later in the sequence or trying to avoid them altogether in someone with mixed states. If you're new to our channel, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Robert Post. We are discussing mixed bipolar episodes. Dr. Post, when I was in training, we called these patients agitated depression. Is that different from dysphoric mania? I'm having a hard time figuring out what an agitated depression really is now. Yeah, well, in an agitated depression, the patient is classically depressed, low, sad, hopeless, guilt-driven, and at the same time, they they may have a lot of hand-wringing and psychomotor activation as part of that depression. But as you pointed out, the key element here is that they're not energized and they don't have a decreased need for sleep. Mm -hmm. They may be insomniac, but they wish they could be sleeping as opposed to a dysphoric manic patient who, even on a few hours of sleep, is ready to go. Ah, okay. So that's really the kind of fatigue and energy is the the key component here. Because it's so hard to figure out what's anxiety, what's mania. If you add another component of maybe some attention deficit in there, it, it gets very confusing for those of us out there in the trenches. Yeah. And to make it even more confusing, the uh, Italians have now looked at something that they call mixed depression. And that's a classically depressed patient who has a little bit of speeded up component. They're not really hypomanic, but they may have racing thoughts or feel a little speeded up. And those patients also are much more likely to switch into mania on antidepressants. So I think the major message is that if there's a mixed state, either a a mixed mania or a mixed depression in the context of bipolar illness that avoiding those antidepressants is probably a very good place to start. Thinking about the mood stabilizers then, can can you give us a quick rundown on the mood stabilizers that would be appropriate in these patients? Yeah. Again, lithium often needs some extra help with the other ones and lamotrigine or lamictal carbamazepine or Tegretol uh, or Valproate or Depakote, those are the other anticonvulsant mood stabilizers. Each of those seems to be helpful in the anxious components and some of the dysphoric components of the illness. And now we're increasingly seeing that the atypical antipsychotics also have very good antidepressant, anti-anxiety effects. And for example, quetiapine or Seroquel is actually now FDA-approved as monotherapy for, for bipolar depression, so that those are very good adjunctive approaches to the patients with mixed mania. Should these patients be treated by psychiatrists? Uh, do we need to encourage our primary care colleagues to refer them? Um, perhaps. I think, it, I think it relates to the comfort level of the, of the treating physician, 
if they're really on top of it and comfortable with dealing with these other agents, it, it actually can be helpful for them either to be involved somewhat or primarily involved because so many of these medications have side effects and so many medical illnesses are co-occurring with depression. For example, patients are twice as likely to have a heart attack and die of it if they're depressed than if they're not. All sorts of illnesses, medical illnesses, are much more common and or difficult to treat in the context of depression. So having a primary care doc either closely involved or if they're comfortable actually treating the illness is, I think, a good idea. If I look at the list of mood stabilizers, including lithium, there's some pretty nasty possible side effects and and some fairly intense monitoring that needs to be done. If if we think of Tegretol, of course, we have to worry about getting CBCs and looking for aplastic anemia, Depakote, the risk of pancreatitis, polycystic ovaries, liver disease. None of them are, are clean without significant problems that I can see. Yeah, I think that's that's the case, and I think that's why patient education is a is is a critical variable in here to have the patient well informed and part of the treatment team and looking at not only for completeness of clinical response but some of these side effects which can often be avoided altogether or if they occur be rapidly dealt with so i think that's that's really a very important element here and that goes along with the life charting to not only chart mood and sleep carefully, but also side effects and try to deal with them very quickly. Can you give us some suggestions about dealing with the atypical antipsychotics, a lot of worry about the weight gain and possible uh, lipid and metabolic consequences of using drugs in this category? Yeah, that's it's, it's a definite problem. And one of the approaches that, I, that I've taken is actually to, to try to use some of the more difficult to titrate drugs first that have a better uh, profile for less weight gain and less metabolic problems. That is, aripiprazole, Abilify, or Ziprazidone, Geodone. Those are pretty weight neutral in adults compared to moderate weight gain with quetiapine or seroquel or risperidone. Alonzapine, Zyprexa, and, and Clozapine are sort of the worst offenders. So that trying, if one's going to use an, an atypical, is trying to use some of the better tolerated ones in preference for the ones that can be more problematic. Any suggestions on dosing? I know many of us have had a hard time with aripiprazole and Zyprazidone, just trying to figure out how to dose it. Yeah, I think uh, I had that problem in the beginning where I tried pretty hefty doses right right from the get-go, and patients did not like me whatsoever. <laughs> and I think, the, I think the thing to do is to actually start with baby doses, start everybody with one or two milligrams of aripiprazole, and then titrate slowly according to side effects tolerability. And particularly now that aripiprazole is approved as an adjunct for unipolar depression, starting it low in those patients is quite important. 
the story with uh, Zeprazidone or Geodone is a little bit more complicated, and it actually may be that higher doses achieved fairly rapidly may be less activating as one brings in some of the other mechanisms of action of the drug at slightly higher doses. But both of those drugs uh, require a little care in the approach to the patient as opposed to some of the other ones that are much easier to deal with. Well, it's certainly a confusing and difficult topic, but thank you for enlightening us today. Well, thank you. We've been speaking with Dr. Robert Post, the author of Treatment of Bipolar Illness, a casebook for clinicians and patients. And we've been talking about managing mixed bipolar states. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening.